Hello there, welcome back for the final time um, to Temporary Fandoms featuring covering The Fall. And we still have the same crew. We've got James. Hey, James. Hello. Tansy. Evening. Aaron. Hello. Mike. Hello there. And Nick. Oi, oi. Hello. Okay, we're going to get cracking and we're going to straight to your future, our clutter. 2010 um aaron i'm throwing this straight over to you um there's a consistent there's consistency now right there's a consistent lineup there's nobody's left everything's the same yeah there's but there was no lineup changes for two albums in a row i I was according to wikipedia it's been since 1994 since they managed to have two albums with exactly the same lineup um which works for them yeah, consistency is obviously is a good thing. We have, by the way, over the last few episodes, been building up a list of the full pub quiz type questions, and that is also a doozy. We're going to keep that one in case we ever have a full pub quiz. So there is a consistent lineup. They're on the proper label again. They're on Domino, right? With They're on Domino, Franz yeah. Ferdinand and Arctic Monkeys and all of the the cool young hip hip bands of the time, right? This must be a good fit. Yeah, that's why they have that that hip cover that's one hundred percent fall. <laughs> you just see that cover, and when you look at that cover, you're like, yep, that's the fall, all right. <laughs> um, and uh, for me, I mean, before we, we we dive into it, I mean, I thought this was a return to form somewhat. Uh, YFOC Slippery Floor was tight, pretty fucking good. Um, weather Report confused me a bit. I didn't quite expect it to go in the direction that it went after it started. It starts with a bit of a jingle jangle and ends up, in some doom territory, <laughs> I guess. Um, but I imagine that long, I mean, you've been on the pod several times, Aaron, that long sort of doomy repetition, that, that's your bag, right? I really like it. I'm, I'm an atmosphere. On the Facebook group, we talk a lot about this. We have one member who is very much into song structure. And I'm the one who's very much into texture. We like to have arguments about what's more important, having a good texture, having a good uh, song structure. And I'm I'm the texture guy, says the can person. <laughs> yeah, I like a I like a good song, but then I, I I like I like I like nine good songs and one long one. That's my perfect album. Um, Nick, <laughs> with uh, well, this album I kind of again when I had to work out a bit, but. Um, you know, for a long time, I was I claimed that the Fall Heads Roll was the last great Fall album, but I've kind of mellowed on that opinion. I think there's some good stuff going on after, but maybe maybe just not consistent enough to call them great albums. Um, I loved the the lead single from this album, not from Barry, like, um, and that got a lot of airplay at the time um, on Six Music, at least. Um, yeah, good stuff. Okay, okay. Um, we're gonna go to Mike because. I got it wrong twice in the past, in the previous episode, but Mike, hey, this was where you refound the fall, right? It is. Um, I joined the Fall Online Forum, and this was the first album that came out after I joined, and I hated it. On first few plays, I didn't like the guitar. I didn't I certainly didn't like the bass, uh, which was, you know, let's turn the treble knob down, and uh, really disliked it. Um, I was in touch with a guy on the forum who lived in the next village to me and they were playing in Leamington Spa, which was only a few miles down the road. So we decided to go along and live they were blistering. Uh, they were so much better than I thought the record was. 
Uh, I saw them, I think, four times in two weeks. Went, listened to the album every day, and man, did it grow on me. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, Berry is catchy straight from the off. I mean, you know, it's practically glitter band in places. Um, but the, the thing that really struck me with the album was, you know, this wasn't just all straightforward rock stuff. It wasn't the stuff we had on Four Legs Roll. There was a lot of musicianship going on. I don't, my particular view or imagining is that Mark didn't have a lot to do with the music around this time because they seemed to be given a little bit of freedom. Um, and I think usually things like Chino Weather Report were surprising to four fans. And I just loved it. I reconnected with the band in such a big way. I was back to, 500 mile round trips up to York to see them live. Um, for me, easily in my top three favorite four albums. It's fantastic. Um, you said you saw them four times in two weeks. Um, we, we, we touched on this a few episodes ago about how they, their set list never stayed the same. Did their set list stay the same? It, it stayed roughly the same. Mark threw in an old one. Every now and again, he did. The first time I see them, he threw Maserawi's Daughter, which oh, wow. they yeah. probably hadn't played live in, I don't know, probably 15, 20 years at least. Um, what was the interesting thing, because obviously people were recording the gigs and putting them up the day after, was hearing the songs that were going to be on the next album. Because, yeah. you know, as we know with The Fall, you didn't get the songs, you know, you didn't get the singles, you didn't get the popular songs, you got what was on the new album, and you got stuff they were already working on for the next album. And what was interesting over the gigs is hearing those songs change. Because we downloaded the gig the day afterwards, you got used to that version. By the time you saw them five days later, it was already evolving. You know, it was clearly a band that was working on the stuff live. It was amazing. Okay, so so that sort of fits with the image I've sort of built up over the last few weeks of how nothing's nothing set in stone until it's actually recorded and released. Yeah. Um, right up to the second that somebody takes the master C45 tape away. Um, that's then it's done. Well, then yeah, it's finished. Maybe not even then. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably still carried on changing it live. Yeah. I, mean, I have to say like I'm lukewarm on the late fall albums, but I absolutely love them live at this time. So I was living back in the UK between 2004, 2014, and I was in Bristol. I just made a point of seeing them every single time they played live anywhere in that part of the country. Um, and I enjoyed them every time, even though they were playing songs from records that I was, you know, ostensibly didn't like that much. They were just brilliant. And as a, as a live, as, as a live act, um, I, I'm guessing the live act and the, the studio act, are they particularly different to I mean, Anybody, this is to anybody. Um, some bands, their live show is the album with a bit of live stuff. Some bands, their live show is totally different. Uh, for me, their studio presence seems like a live presence, yeah. so to speak. A bit sort of, there's that ramshackled, it's changing, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, for those in this group here who have seen them live, is that fair to say? Well, I was going to just, I was just going to say, actually, this is, for me, this album encapsulates that idea really well because I actually re-listened to it recently. I hadn't heard it for ages and I re-listened to the the version that was um, with the vinyl track listing because I think I prefer that version. But I think from this point on with The Fall, you really get a, a sense that there's a really nice marriage between their their live performances and the albums because if you think about the way The Fall recorded all through its history 
um, in terms of the way they worked in the studio, that studio, they were a live band. They recorded live generally. There was, there was, I think, especially in this period, there probably wasn't as much overdubbing, if you know, if you can probably say that through their whole career. And I think with the albums from probably this one onward, towards the end, you really do get that sense. And for me, that's what makes this album really consistent in terms of the sound and also with the personnel. Um, you know, you've you've got the lineup, which I suppose from this point in time again is also really consistent. And you can hear that the band's really tight and Marcus is giving them free reign to do what they want and develop that sound. And I think as you go towards the end of the fall, from this point as well, it's to me, I don't want to say this, but it almost when I saw them live a few years after this, it seemed to me that the, the band was carrying Mark. And you look at a lot of the performances on YouTube and you hear a lot of the albums and it's like he's kind of stepping back. It's more about the band and the music carrying him mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. it being about Marky Smith fronting the band. And I find that it's a really interesting shift from this point onwards. So has it gone from Marky Smith driving the band to the band basically being Marky Smith? Like he was the band and now the band to him. He was keeping the band going, the band are now keeping him going. Well, yeah, I mean, um, Jane... Sorry. No, I was just, I was just going to quickly say, if you look at if you look at the way the lyrics fit with the music from this period on, like in in the past, it was very much very lyric driven. Whereas now, with Mark's lyrics, he just kind of throws in in phrases or the odd sentence. He's not kind of ranting on. He's just kind of punctuating the music. The music it's a lot more musical from this point onwards. I think. Okay. Okay. So his voice is more sort of an instrument as part of it rather than a vocal. But that's a, uh, that's a big part of what I missed, you know, is, is uh, Marky Smith, the lyricist. Um, by this point, he's really not coming up with those, like, great, I don't know, the way he used language early on was, was a wonderful thing. And I kind of found it quite difficult later on when you'd see him in interviews and he'd started to become kind of inarticulate. You know, he, he could barely speak. And what was great about the fall in the 80s was how articulate he was. Um, and the way that he used language was was such a compelling part of the full sound for me that that's probably why I struggle with these later albums. Mm. You're not getting those little moments, uh, just flashes of, of, I don't know, genius with language, I think. Um, James, were there any of these moments here for you? Just going to what um, what Tanzi's saying there, and particularly about the... Um... Uh, particularly about the uh, lyrics. I mean, I've just looked up uh, Chino here um, whilst, and because I think here we're seeing a much more introspective man, I think, um, particularly with his trips into um, hospital. And uh, the lyric here, um, this was an actual account of the operational experience. When he thought at first he was going out, in fact, he was going for in, in for it. When do I quit? Um, where do I quit? I need to know. I mean, uh, yeah, he is sort of, as it were, taking a sort of more of a backseat, and um, want, and I think he, does he know he's settled into this band yet? Uh, because um, apart from yeah. any of the rest of the band stay on until new facts emerge, and um, uh, well, um, and until until the very la- until uh, and until he passed away. Uh, I think I love this album. I, I think it's got some great moments. It's my favourite of last decades. Um, but not by a long way. I think they they still did some amazing stuff in this last decade. And um, uh, but stuff like Weather Report too, my word, it's it takes my breath away every time. It's just it's just wonderful. Um, and also the segue from um, YFOC into Slippy Floor, 
um, it's there's this great clip on YouTube. I forget where it's from, but um, and he did it when I saw him in 2010. When when they kick into that riff, there's this sort of it's a smile cracked across his face, and he, you can just tell he's looking out into the audience, and the audience are really really going for it. Um, we all did when I saw them do it um, at that gig. It's um, yeah, it's a, I, I love um, your future outlet. So I brought it up the day of release. By then, every time they release something new, I've, I've got to hear this. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm more than happy with it. Okay, um, so over the decades, the Fall have adapted and taken in various different musical genres. Some longer than others. We've had they've gone through a bit of baggy, a bit. <laughs> new techno i guess um there's a various alt rock and with ersatz gb and mask search we've got rockabilly back there's a rockabilly really? vibe I wish. back <laughs> <laughs> mike i mean you came back with your future our clutter you'd you'd reinvestigated previous albums um and now a year later we've got a new one yeah uh, I bought this on the day of release. I was so excited to get it. I had it ordered. It arrived on the day of release, and I loved it. I thought it was easily the equal of uh, your future. Um, I think the production on it was phenomenal. Uh, I know Simon Archer, the former four bass uh, player, produced a lot of it, and I just, I just think again. It did sound, and Nick brought up a good point, that it did sound now like a band that was doing the work, work, the heavy lifting, and Mark came in and did his thing over the top. And, you know, that's not taking anything from Mark without him. It just wasn't the fall. Uh, but musically, this is experimental. The keyboards play a massive part. I think Eleni, by this time, was defining the fall sound um, mm. as much as Mark was. Um that whole album worked for me brilliantly. thought it was great. This is a heavier album than the previous one, right? There's definitely a... For it, me, no, it was there a heavier are some sound. heavier tracks on it, but like I say, there's also... it's Yeah, it hasn't got the soft stuff, apart from maybe Happy Song, which uh, all four, four fans apart from me hate. Um, yeah, there, there's some heavy stuff. Mars Search is fantastic. Uh, I mean, this is where Peter Greenway, I think, really started to come into his own in the band. Um, I didn't rate him that highly... Uh, early on but I, I think as he developed his confidence he always looked terrified at gigs he looked frozen to the spot and about teetering the edge of a nervous breakdown most gigs I went to um, but it, I think the, the band now had really gelled I mean it's the first I think it was the first fall album the, uh, the third fall album with the same lineup and that was the first time it had ever happened which again was record breaking you thought it couldn't last but uh, you know Mark seemed happy. I went to quite a few gigs at that. He seemed happy. He looked healthier than he had done in a long time. And they were just chilling into this phenomenal lineup. Okay. Okay. Um, his voice, sadly, this is the first time for me that I noticed that his voice was, it was gone, gone, right? I yeah, mean, there was no coming back. From, no, oh. definitely not. The new vocal style was very different. And, yeah, most four fans hated it. I actually quite liked it, and I also enjoyed the change in his lyrical style, which I know Nick has already commented on, but he misses the earlier stuff. But I think Mark became more cryptic with his lyrics and just this punctuation over the music, um, and I really warmed to the new sound. Uh, yes, it was different, but it was still the fall, and I still loved it. Um, there was a... I can't remember... When I was doing all the reading for this, there was one review I read at some point that was that 
sort of alluded to, is Marky Smith still a genius or are we just prescribing genius level to some inane rambling? Yeah, I think that was Paul Morley said that on the uh, BBC documentary. Uh, that yeah, you know, you can read what you want into Mark. Either he's a genius or he is a rambling drunk, and probably you know both are true. I, I, I think both work. You know. Yeah, yeah. You can be a genius rambling drunk. I mean, obviously, um, the question is how long one, how long there's a balance between the two. Um, Tansy, uh, how, did you like this this one? I mean, more of a slight for me. Like I said, it's a bit more of a heavier sound. There was a bit. There was a little bit of rockabilly coming back. Um, there is that consistency in them. It wasn't for me as good as your future our clutter, but yeah, I, I remember. I remember when I started buying fall albums. This one was always sitting in the um, in in the rack at my local um, record CD shop, and no one would ever buy it. And I w- would go in every week and see if someone had bought it, and they <laughs> and they didn't. And I could have bought it myself, and I didn't. And I think that says a lot. Um, I, I was yeah. I've never quite warmed to this album. I mean, I like the cover. I, I like what um Mark Kennedy, the um mosaic artist, did for the cover. He made some good covers for them actually. But I think with with this period of the fall as well, I think one one thing people tend to forget is that the fall isn't about music. The fall the fall was never about music. The fall was more about more about concepts, and I think. For me, um, I think for me, this this one was kind of, they were obviously trying something a little bit different, but they hadn't quite found themselves. And we were mentioning, someone mentioned before that they felt this this album sounded more rockabilly. Well, I actually think Remit, for me, is more of a rockabilly kind of album. And maybe that says more about mm-hmm. the way I hear it than anyone else. I think this is kind of leading into Remit a little bit. This is kind of like a bridge between, um, in my head, this is like a bridge between you know, your future clutter and remit. It's just, it's this weird and this weird kind of strange in between place, which is quite interesting. They do seem to have a lot of bridge albums. Um, they'll have a period, they'll have a bit of a role, and before either things will go tits up and then they'll have a comeback album or they'll have this album that moves into the next bit. Well, yeah, I mean, because the way um, I see it is I'm, I'm a painter as well. I mean, I'm not just a musician. I paint and I'm an artist. My my background is in is in art. And that's how I view the fall. I don't look at the fall in terms of a linear progression from 1977 to 2018 or whatever. I Or I don't even view the fall in terms of album. You know, I, I, I don't think that linear view is a good way to see the fall. I think it's more about, you know, you judging the individual songs or the individual concepts on their merits rather than where do they fit in that narrative because I think that can be a bit limiting with the fall. So I suppose if you take this album on its own, um, there's definitely a lot of interesting things going on if you look at it separately from maybe the rest of their output. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the format of, of this pod does has sadly means we are putting them into 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 said narrative, but I totally get get the point of 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 seeing things in situ as opposed to a part of a, a thing. Um, okay, as this was a bridge album, moving on to remit. Um, Mark's got there's consistency in with the band. There's been consistency in his personal life. Um, Mark seems happy 
on remit? Is he actually, is this happy Marky Smith? Is this, I mean, for me, this next album was a better one. It was a more fully formed album. It really worked from start to finish as opposed to sort of bits, trying bits and bobs, Mike. Um, is this going in, going back up? Is it swinging in, in the right direction? It wasn't for me, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, that's the beauty of being a Fall fan. Uh, when the single came out, I thought, oh, single was phenomenal. I think Sir William Ray so, is a, a Ray, great yeah. Fall single. And I thought, wow, if it's going to be like this, it's going to be great. But it wasn't. And that's not to say it was a bad Fall album. I think by this time... Again, looking looking back with some hindsight, having listened to it again recently, it's a continuation of what the fall had become. Um, you know, I think Mark was settled. You know, fourth album with the same lineup, unheard of. Um, and I think they, I think by that time they'd probably established a way of working that worked for both the band and for Mark. And again, I think they were left to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and then Mark would come in and, and do his stuff. Um, having said that. It's not a bad album. Um, it just doesn't have the... It's not as concise and as sharp as the two predecessors, I don't think. I don't think the songs are as sharp. There's some songs that sound like they've been made up in the studio to me and uh, are a bit aimless and meandering. Um, but, you know, not a bad album, but uh, certainly didn't set my world alight. Okay, okay. Um, Nick, um, where are you on this album? This, wait, this was the album where he gives a, a, a sort of half even half this nod out to LCD sound system, right? That was this album? I, I don't know, but I, yeah. I basically, I did, I did yeah, like... Aaron's nodding. Okay. <laughs> I did like this album better than Ersatz GB, but it's not saying a lot. I remember this was probably the last album I bought on release and did the whole working hard to like it thing. I remember driving to and from work, listening to it over and over. And there were these little flashes throughout the album of fall sound where I'd be like, oh, that sounds like the fall. And I know I'm probably coming at it wrong doing that. You know, I'm wanting them to sound a certain way rather than just trying to go with what they're actually doing. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's stuff on there like Hittite Man that just sounds like a journey through Marky e. Smith's lungs. And it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a place you want to take a journey through. I um, liked that, actually. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite. That's like one of the only ones I like on this album. I like that, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I love I love Sir William Ray, and there's lots of little moments like that on the album. But but taken as a whole, yeah, I don't know. I can't, um, I is, can't get on with is it. there a thing now that this at this stage of the fall that it's it's impossible for uh, people who have been full fans for so long to not compare? Yes, I guess. Um, whether or not their favorite period was early, was it like whether it was eighties or early eighties or nineties or what have you? Um, when there's so much music there. It's very hard to go, oh, was this as good as? And if you're not in a period of something, then it's almost like you might be in a period of nothing, uh, I, I guess. Um, James, um, how, 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 where's this for you? Where, where is Remit sitting? I, I stumbled a bit on my words there, but hey. <laughs> well, um, I have to say, I absolutely love this album. I think it's, there's so many ideas going on. It's just incredible. Uh, I think at the time there was a, um, particularly on the old online forum, which I used to lurk on more than post, uh, there was a lot of people saying they just sound the same now. They're just doing the same you know, riff, 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 bang, 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 bang. And um, where's uh, your pletchum on the bass and all that sort of stuff. And it was, um, 
But when I heard this, I was like, there's so many ideas in here. It's wonderful. I mean, I spoke earlier about in the, unutter- the difference in the unutterable and I are missing winner, where um, I are missing winner is quite black and white and the unutterable's really, really, really colourful. I get the exact opposite with this and Urzat's GB. Urzat's GB is very grey. It's very grimy. This is a thing that goes on I reckon for most four albums anyway, if you're going to get a black and white grimy four album, it's usually followed up instantly by an incredibly colour saturated, psychedelic, weird thing like Kinder of Spine, um, the um, the wibbly wobbly noises in no- in Bill in noise. Um, um, my favourite on this is No Respects Rev. Um, is it? I mean, I know we've got a couple of albums left to go, but is it? It's an argument to say that this is their last good album. No, no it's not. Like that. No. There's more, there's <laughs> no. More, there's no. More. <laughs> they were all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so after that, we've got, uh, again, and the, they're very pretty consistent with their release times. 90s, it was one every year apart from 98. And now in the noughties and in the teens, it seems to be one every two years. There's a nice consistency to them. You're not waiting 10 years for a Radiohead to go, oh, we've decided to do something. He's still there. Um, so we got what sublingual tablet. Um, I did talk in previous episodes about how during the nineties, the repetition, repetition, repetition thing was replaced a bit by some songs, some song structures, a bridge. Um, Auto chip. Repetition's back, right? Yeah, repetition's back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again for me. This is a little bit of a patchy album. Um, but just confirm where the four were. And again, you know, they'd settled into this way of working, the way of presenting their music uh, and Mark's vocal style, uh, which had changed over the last four years. Uh, the two standout tracks for me are clearly Dedication and Auto Chip, which, you know, uh, and live, they were phenomenal when they did that live. I mean, the band was so good. Um, again, I think Dedication, not Medication, l e just own the track. I mean, that was, you know, her keyboard work on that. Again, it's just not simple, you know, single note stuff, which she'd done previously. It was far more textured, more atmospheric. Uh, Mark, the vocals, I think, on this are really good in places. I think on his shouty tracks on Stout Man, uh, Fiverr Book Troll, Quit iPhone, when he really goes off on a gurgling screech, his vocals, they make me laugh. You know, they are both Full on, but funny. Um, and yeah, I love the album. Be interested okay, to see what um, other people think think of it, because I think I'm a lone voice. Uh, for me, by this point, I was get, I was starting to... My notes for, uh, in this stage was, are they a band or now just an idea? Um, because they were just... They seemed to be the fall for... Because the, the world needed the fall, I guess. There was a fall-shaped space that couldn't be, couldn't be left. Uh, by Marky e. Smith, and so they continued. But I, for me, I'm not sure there was much here apart from maybe Autochip that really I really noticed. Um, Aaron, I mean Autochip, that this is definitely one of your kind of tracks. I, I, <laughs> yes, I think Autochip is really good. I actually I really like this album. I think it's um, I think they kind of bounce back after two pretty forgettable ones. Um, one thing about the band is I think the band seems to get more and more comfortable. Um, but Laney just gets better and better. Um, 
she started I, I originally i found some of her keys to be just a little bit too poppy for the band and but here it's like she's doing some really cool kraut rock stuff and she just gets better and better um and she's surely missing the next one i don't want to go too much into it uh younger cloth is really good auto ship is great dedication not medication yeah dedication not meditation uh it's also really good he's using his voice well here i think he's accepted that his voice is gone and i think he actually is using these new vocal tricks to actually a really good effect in this one um i think Um, he's using it well how long is how long is eleni was eleni in the band 11 years 11 years yeah I mean that's that's got to be up there. I mean I've lost count. I up mean, there with Steve Hanley for sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a big step. And yeah, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, is it now even an argument to be made that she has more of an influence on the band sound, full stop, at the moment than Marky Smith does? Like turning her up, Maybe. which is a good idea. Um. Okay, so we're we're still on sublingual tablet. Um. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't have many more notes to say on this, so I'm just going to start asking people random questions. Tansy, <laughs> random question. Um, <laughs> how's, sub, now, how, how's Sublingual Tablet for you? Um, well, that's the thing. I remember when it came out, I was really excited for it to come out, and um, I really liked Remit because, as was mentioned before, it's a very colourful and humorous album. So I found Sublingual Tablet quite stark when I first heard it, and it took me a few listens to kind of... To get it, I was a little bit disappointed at first when I first heard it. I remember sitting down and thinking, this is a really short album, first of all. It sounded really, it went by really quick. And I kind of thought, "Mm, well, I didn't, I didn't really get it at first. But I think, I think what really stands out is definitely Eleni's contribution. You can really hear that coming through a lot stronger. I really liked that. I remember seeing them live as well around this time. And I stood in front of the stage right in front of her and watched her the whole night. And to me, she was the real driving force behind the sound at that point. And I do like Mark's vocals. Like, you know, he he did, he was kind of doing that growly thing and a lot of people don't like it. Again, I I also thought it was quite funny, but where do I sit with it now? Um, I don't really listen to it much anymore. I'm kind of, I'm... I there was a point where I really liked the album, but now I'm not sure. I've kind of fallen in and out of love with it, to be honest. Okay, I mean the fact that they're that if you're falling in and out of love with it, the fact that it, it does still in does still or did still instill some love, um, albeit fleeting, is still quite good for a band on the what their fifty eighth album or whatever on there. 75. Yeah, I th- that's the thing. I think I think my problem was I think I was expecting something similar to Remit when it came out, and it's very different. I mean, it's a lot more electronic sounding, and I suppose um, Remit's very kind of humorous and guitar driven, and very kind of it's a bit dark as well at the same time, but it's tongue in cheek. Whereas again, like I said, I just thought you know Sublingual Tablet was really stark and really kind of. I don't know. It, it it didn't it didn't have the same playful element to it, and I think I missed. I think I missed that. I think that's what it was. Okay. Um. I went. I realized that by asking when I ask people what they think of of, of fall albums over the last well half an hour and the pod and the episode before, um, we basically go unexpected yes, unexpected no, unexpected no, unexpected yes. Nick. <laughs> well, I, I, I by this point I kind of. 
I guess, given up really trying to like the new Fall albums. But, you know, I always hoped. I think I think one thing that the real new Fall LP taught me was never totally write the fall off. They could still come out with an album that will totally grab me. Sadly, this wasn't it. Um, I mean, I, I love the, the I'm a big fat man pushing a little pram. A rare slice of Marky e. Smith lyrical genius from the late fall. But uh, I don't know. Um, as a whole album, I, I can't get on board with it. But but well, this so, and new facts emerge. Really I kind of, do they? You know, I mean, it, they don't really relate to each other that well. That's the other hmm. thing I noticed. They don't really connect with each other. Whereas normally with with full albums, there seems to be some kind of consistency in terms of a concept or some theme. I, I found with mm-hmm. this one, they were too kind of all over the joint. Yeah, and, and so, I, so I, that's why I found it inaccessible that way. Yeah, not much of it stuck for me when I listened, which was very rare for me with a full album. But what I found was I kind of chucked them all into my playlists anyway. So they'd come up at random while I was listening to music. And quite often I'd be like, oh, I like this. What's this? And I'd be looking. It's, oh, it's the fall of Sublingual Tablet. But when I listen to the album, it doesn't work for me. So taking in, you know, random bits of it thrown at me. Great. Whole album. God knows. God knows how long a full playlist is on Spotify. (laughs) No, not full play. I just have like, you know, basically I have a playlist of thousands and thousands of tracks and I just chuck everything in. So when I don't know what else to listen to, I just stick that on on shuffle and, you know, it could be anything. Um, Going to go back over to James. Um, You have surprised us by sometimes by saying that albums that everyone else has derided have are amazing and and, and vice versa. Um, We're moving into, well, it's the penultimate album. Do they still have that magic for you? Of course. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, online, uh, they were on fire. I mean, blimey. And there's, there was this amazing sort of, again, like with um, the sort of um, Real New Fall LP time, there seemed to be something bubbling up again. I mean, you had the, the we haven't talked about this actually, because I know it's not an album, but the remainder uh, 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 EP came out the year before. And that was really interesting because it had loads of different sort of styles. There was loads of like different things going on in it. Very, very good album. And then um, this came, this came along. Uh, and they did their Glastonbury um, thing that was on the BBC, the fall on the BBC. And that it's um, it's a real revelation to see them. And it seemed um, as though they, they were because they hadn't really had much BBC play after Peel died in 2004. And it seemed to be like um, when he wasn't turning into the dreaded national treasure, but I think again, people were sort of sitting up and taking notice again, which was, um, which was um, very nice. We, we did touch on a previous episode, maybe episode four about how he was, he did almost seem to be in some considered to be not so much a national treasure, but an alternative national treasure. He was invited on to read football results. He, you no, know, he was looked at and in a, in a with a certain reverence, albeit I don't know, um, side glanced reverence, maybe. And then something would happen that would completely throw all those cards down, and then they'd have to start and build themselves up again. Um, I don't know. Um, I can't remember because about that about the bands and like having loads of different ideas in this album. Because is is Black Mike? Do you know is Black Roof actually recorded with the Americans? And it was something from a long time ago. Uh, there are a couple of tracks that were recorded, but they were recorded, I think, at the time. I think uh, Pete Greenway was on maternity leave. I mean, maternity leave. Who'd have imagined Mark giving anybody maternity leave? Um, but yeah, um, they did record a couple of tracks with the Americans. Yeah. And Tim Presley had obviously been uh, playing live with them uh, through that period as well. 
Okay. Um, so we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the final album. Uh, 2017's New Facts Emerge. Um, I mean, maybe it's because I, I had been listening to a lot of the four, but at this point it did, for me, sound like a collection of B-sides and four unreleased songs that were being sung by a, a four, I don't know, my drunk uncle who liked the four, who was singing the four songs at a wedding, but they're not the good stuff. Like the unreleased collection. Can I just say, I'd that... like to go to that wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, this is the this was the last one. This was the swan song. It was. was it a fitting swan song? Um, at the time, we need to talk about what happened with the fall in the run up to this album. Uh, in that, uh, Eleni was uh, booted out of the band or or left under her own st- uh, steam, depending on. Uh, which uh, forums you've read. Um, the marriage broke up, they divorced, and that was it. She was out of the band. I was gutted. I, as I've said, I thought she was a phenomenal part of the fall. Um, and I'd already made my mind up before this album had even landed in my hands. I was going to hate it, and I did. Um, on first play, I listened to it all the way through and just went, worst thing they've ever done, which I, I probably did with most fall albums on first listen. Uh, I didn't listen to it again until I joined Temp Fans. Um, you know, there were rumours uh, shortly afterwards that Mark wasn't well. Pictures were surfacing in video clips online, and he looked very ill at gigs. Um, you know, none of us knew this was going to be the last album when it came out. And as I say, I gave it pretty short shrift. Um, when Mark died, I didn't listen to any four for a long time. So I only really went back to this album when we did the uh, post-death immersion i've listened to it several times since and particularly over the last couple of weeks and it's really grown on me really grown on me um yeah you know you've got to accept eleni's gone and for me that was a huge loss but listen to how many years is it now three four years since mark died three years it must be uh listen to it now you're just taking what a phenomenal band those three guys were together and if you've seen imperial wax They still are. Um, Yeah, it's guitar-driven, far more guitar-driven than anything they've done in the last decade. Uh, But for me, it stands up as a legacy for Mark. It's not a fitting epitaph, but I don't think he could have done a fitting epitaph at this stage in his career. But as a, that's your lot, I'm gone, it works really well. And uh, it's impossible to listen to it without thinking, well, you know, what would he have done next? Would he have done anything next? We, you know, we'll never know. But where he could have gone after this is anybody's guess. Because I think there was still pre- plenty of life in the old dog. It's hard to imagine there wouldn't have been more for. I mean, yeah, you know, I think if, he would if, have gone. If Marky Smith forever. hadn't died, I think we'd be probably yes, another two albums into the discography by now. Yeah. yeah. The fact, the fact that he persevered through all those gigs when he clearly wasn't well enough to perform, he's he, he was determined to keep going. Yeah, you know, we've we've looked at when we did Bowie, for example, on on, on the podcast. Um, obviously, with Black Star, um, the time difference between Black Star coming out and, and Bowie's death was like, but there wasn't one. Um, but then there was that was also an artist, a legacy artist, whose last album and his and his demise were very close to each other. It wasn't like there was an album and then they sort of disappeared for five, six, seven years. Um, you said, was this a fitting epitaph? No, but would he have wanted one? I don't think he'd care. 
Yeah. I don't think he would have cared. I think with yeah, Mark's few albums, is you did an album, it was done, it was gone. He never looked back. He never played, you know, rarely played old stuff live. He just did an album, it was done. He wouldn't have cared, I don't think. Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, obviously, I for me, I was still ambivalent to the fall at this time. I heard he died and went, oh, okay, that's sad. Um, and I moved on with my life because he had no real connection with me. Um be interesting, not to, not so much to talk to everybody here about about how they felt about his death, but how you feel about his legacy. Now, it's very easy to say, oh, the four influenced everybody. I mean, they didn't influence everybody. There are bands that have been touched by that. There are some who have obviously come along and either mimicked the vocal style, even bands like The Strokes. I mean, that is, that is a Mark E. Smith vocal style right there, the sort of mumbly slur. And there are bands who have uh, taken on board certain facets of the four. But are there any, what is his legacy? What are the, what is the four's legacy for right or wrong? Uh, let's start with, I'm going to go clockwise with Tansy. Yeah. I mean, for me, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> say for, for me, um, the legacy of the fall of Marky Smith is, um, as I kind of said before, it's not about music. Um I suppose because if you look at music, you know, people go, oh, yes, this band's influenced by the fall, that. But but I think for me personally, I, I I came, I discovered the fall when I was in art school, when I was a paint, you know, I was painting a lot. And I listened to the fall a lot when I'm painting. So for me, it was more about um, how you develop your ideas and develop your practice in terms of being a creative person. I, I think for me, that's the biggest thing that the fall teaches people. There's a lot you can get from you know, the work ethic and the methodology and the idea of, you know, persevering with your with your work basically in your practice and not trying to repeat yourself and and um this idea of editing your output and not and not taking what you do at face value, not taking it for granted, but always pushing that pushing it a little bit further. So for me the fall is more than just about music. It's more than just about albums. Um it's it's a lot more important than that. And I think, for me, that's probably the best way to look at the fall and look at Mark E. Smith. Okay. And that's the other thing as well. Mark E. Smith's biggest invention was Mark E. Smith. At the end, end of the day, he was just Mark Smith. But he created he created this whole thing. This whole He could have been like David Bowie. He could have been like anyone else in music. But he decided not to. He turned the whole thing on his head. He had a bigger idea. He had a bigger goal in mind. And so for me, that's Perfect. what it's about. Thank you. Um, James, yeah. uh, same question to you. Same question to everybody. James is next on my Zoom circle. Well, th think for me as somebody who's like, loved music from an early age. Um, when I first came across uh, the fall in 1994, I was 15, and uh, my first experience of Marky e. Smith was that performance with um, the Inspiral Carpets doing I Want You on Top of the Pops. And um, for me to watch that for the first time, I only sort of getting into indie on Alternative then. Uh, to see that, I mean, he there was a guy who's like 38 years old, looking much older, um, just doing his just doing his thing, and that it's such a great alternative. And I first and then I bought like user syndrome two years later and put the needle on the record and then just listen to those opening bars and then that um that vocal delivery it's just so something it was just sounded so utterly fresh and like 
not like anything else I've heard. And then that year afterwards, I was going on this absolute sort because of, you could still get records quite cheap then. <laughs> Those were the days. You could go to second-hand shops and pick up um, Hex and, a second-hand copy of Hex and Ducks now for a fiver or something. Beautiful days. And um, Just going through and just going through the back, the, the back catalogue and just getting into this world, all these diaries, these short stories, these um, streams of consciousness, bits recorded off an dictaphone that he'd found. It's just fired the imagination. Um, wonderful stuff. And to be on that journey from... Um, 1996 picking up new albums as they came along. It was just, uh, I just felt very, very blessed. Um, and just coming up to New Facts Emerge as well. I mean, stuff like um, Couples that versus Jobless Mid 30s. That song absolutely terrifies me. And I, but I think it's one of the best things they did um, because it's just, it's just his ideas and what, what you can sort of get, get into your mind. It's, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, uh, that's what I think his legacy is, just an entire new way of thinking and listening to popular music. Wonderful. Cool. Aaron, um, you came to the fall for the first time when we the Temp Fans Facebook group did the immersion, right? More or less. I mean, I'd heard um, the This Nation Saving Grace before. I was a, I was a fan of that album. I got into them through Pavement because I remember there was a line in one of their liner notes that said, people used to criticize us for sounding like The Fall, but everybody sounded like The Fall in those days. I remember thinking, <laughs> I need to listen to The Fall. And, and what, do you think, what, do you, what do you think as a semi-outsider The Fall's legacy on musical Marky Smith or the character of Marky Smith's legacy is? It's really interesting. I mean, he's one of those people where you just don't know like if he's if he has hyper self-awareness or no self-awareness. I think there's always that tension where you don't know if he's, if he's just faked his way through 40 years or however many, yeah, 40 years, or if he was a genius and you just never really know. There's this, there's this part in the documentary, the BBC documentary from 2004, where he's saying, I finally become really good at singing. Oh, and <laughs> and then they and then they cut and of course they perf they purposefully cut it to make it look weird but he's singing i can hear the grass grow and he sounds like some like drunk old uncle singing karaoke and he has like a he has like a, a symbol and he's just like i can hear the grass grow and just banging on this symbol <laughs> and then he has like some weird electronic thing and you're watching and you're like you don't even know where you are right now do you dude but he's been, I think there's probably an element of both. But he's so um, effective at what he does, and he's kind of like this this Forrest Gump figure of music. Like music is just kind of going along, and because he keeps bringing in new musicians, they're taking with these new ideas, and he's kind of just jumping in, and he's affecting the music as he goes through. But he's also being just a part of music history. So he goes through his baggy phase, he goes through his techno phase, he goes through the phase when the music that his that he created has come back into style and he, then suddenly he's cool again and just always like when, this... like when i went like the fact that i've worn brown corduroy flares for approximately 35 years and recently i've noticed that the kids i teach are all dressed like kids from the early, early 90s you've mentioned suddenly, that before you <laughs> yeah yeah it's great <laughs> but it's gonna go i came back into fashion nick um you have been I mean, since we started this part, I knew that we were going to do the fall. Uh, this was one that um, I, I stalled a little bit, but once I embraced it, I was like, fine, it's going to happen. Um, tell me, 
the fall for you. You're 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 my fall Ooh. guy. You know, I don't even know how to answer that. I mean, I'm glad we waited to do the fall a little bit because we were still figuring out how to do podcasts, and I wanted to do I wanted to do them justice. I wanted to, these six episodes. If these are the best episodes we do of the Ten Fans podcast, I'd be happy because because the fall deserve it. Um, I just I don't know. Um, like people joke with me because you know when you have a reputation as being a fall fan, like they make out like I listen to the fall all the time, and it's really not that true. I listen to tons of stuff. I don't have time to listen to the fall because I'm listening to all these other bands that we do with temp fans. But you would listen to fall but, all the time. If- well, the thing is, when when the fall come on on a playlist or something, they always just make me happy. I just love it. I, it's so comforting to hear the fall, especially early fall for me. Uh, you know, hearing those those very early albums, any tracks from those, just I just love them in a way that I find difficult to articulate, to be honest. I think you can project onto The Fall what you want them to be for you because because Marky Smith was so cryptic. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love them. I think that and the, and we'll always have that great, enormous discography that I've just made you trawl all the way through. But I do regret that I'll never see them live again, you know, because um, last time I saw them live would have been 2013. Um, and I didn't know it would be the last time I'd see them. Um, it was in Bristol, but then I moved to Hungary and they never played here. And uh, yeah, that makes me kind of sad to know that, that that's something. I'll never have that experience again of seeing the full live. And they were just the, the best live band. They were okay. brilliant. Um, before I finish on you, Mike, uh, I said I was going clockwise on my Zoom screen. It's a total lie. I was planning to, to finish with the lifetime full fan, Mike, Mike Plowman. Um, as Nick just said, yeah, um, I listened to the full for the first time. I hadn't listened to a single full album before this. Um, uh, I am a petty man, and when John Peel died, I watched through tears as somebody was dragged out of a pub, Marky Smith, on Newsnight, and didn't give didn't give my hero the respect he wanted. And I went, "Fuck that guy! I'm never listening to a thing by those fuckers ever. Fuck him." Um, now, obviously, I knew this was coming, and regular pod listeners to this will know that I was, oh God, I've got to do this. And I will say it has been difficult because it's been a lot of music in a couple of weeks. Nick, there are probably 10 albums from the full discography I would put into very good, and I quite like them. Are you happy? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. And I know if you keep going, that could get oh, to I don't have time to go back. No, no. <laughs> the, the, there's those 10. The others are dead to me. Take the 10. That's happened now. <laughs> I've taken 10, some from the 80s, a lot from the 90s, maybe one from the noughties. Uh, but it has been better. Uh, and also my antipathy towards Marky Smith has changed. Uh, I quite appreciate, if I don't necessarily like the Marky Smith persona, I appreciate and respect him way more than I did when I came into this. Um, Mike, I'm going to finish with you as somebody who has been a lifelong full fan, who loved them, fell out of love with them, came back to them. What do you think is the enduring legacy of Marky Smith or the fall on stuff? I think, you you know, John Peel summed it up. He said they were always different and always the same. And they were, and they just kept going. And that's their legacy. You know, what other bands have done that? What other bands have kept going for 40 years and put out 31 albums? And, you know, yeah, there've been albums that have been patchy, but they've all sounded like fall albums, all had something good on and, you know, Mark was an enigma. We all, as Nick said, we can all project onto Mark what we thought he was, whether we thought he was a genius, whether he was a rambling drunk, uh, whether he was a, a nice guy, whether he was an absolutely nasty guy. But the fact is, they just kept going, or Mark just kept going. And I think that's his legacy. You know, there's 
a back catalogue of music waiting there to be discovered by people who have got open ears. And I think the legacy I'd hope for is that people will still discover them. People who've not heard of them before, maybe through podcast, will find the fall and find something they love and explore it a bit deeper. But the greatest band in the world for me. Never let me Thank down. you very much, Mike. Okay, Thank you're you very welcome. Much. Um, I think that there's nothing else really to say. Um, I mean, come back for the next episode of of temporary fandoms uh, when we, we will stop not. here, Ewan. I think we should just you done. Know, that's it. Podcast <laughs> that's over. It we've just done, done the Queen one yet. We've just done, we've just done the greatest <laughs> band in the world. Mike said it. No point carrying on. That's it. Um, so ignoring Nick for a second, also <laughs> because I I have edit I, I edit this thing so I can I can make Nick say what I want. Really, he does as um, well. He does. Nick doesn't even like the fall. Join us for the next episode when we will not be talking about the fall. We'll be talking about something else with also some very exciting guests coming up. Um, it has been an emotional roller coaster. Um, I would like to thank very much James Kennedy. James, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Tansy, Tansy McNally, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Aaron, Aaron Troy White. Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Mike Plyman, thanks for coming on. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Nick. Cheers. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was good. We did it. We listened to and talked about 31 albums and one EP by The Fall. Thank you to everyone who joined Ewan and I for the journey. In this episode, that was James Kennedy, Mike Plowman, Aaron T. White, and Tansy McNally of The Blue Orchids. But since we're at the end of this particular subset of episodes, I also want to say thank you to everyone who's pitched in since The Fall Part 1, including Jonathan Fisher, John Henderson, Zoe Von Hess, Joe Mitchell, and Fliss Kitson of The Nightingales. You've all been amazing. Thank you also to Ewan for indulging my anything but temporary fandom of the fall. This has been nothing short of a labour of love, and I suspect Ewan too is in danger of yielding to the fall's peculiar charms. If you enjoyed the show, please do consider leaving a review. We're trying to grow our audience to make this podcast sustainable, and one of the best ways you can help us do that is by telling others what you thought, especially on Apple Podcasts. One last thing before I go especially for all you Fall fans that have joined us. Our next episode is on Arthur Lee's love, and we have a very special guest. None other than Paul Hanley, drummer with arguably the greatest lineup the Fall ever had, and certainly on many of their best albums. Come and listen to us chat to him and other guests about love very soon. I'm Nick Hilditch, and if I can see, and you can see, why can't they see? <laughs>